and it was dark and I, I somehow I knew in the abyss Brad that was depression that it, this wasn't something that was going to get me that was Barry McDonald and I'm Brad and this is beyond the big red truck podcast up everybody thank you so much for joining me today i'm super excited about the conversation that i'm about to share with you with a good buddy of mine uh barry mcdonald or better known out there in the public and to his buddies as bmac and barry is probably best known in the media for his either his time at sports page which some of you elder statesmen will remember and also currently TSN 1040 radio host with uh, with Donnie and the Moj. So yeah, we we me and Barry we talk about how we met in in the early '90s playing baseball together. We talk about some of our stories uh, from that time. Some of them cannot be shared on the podcast for content issues, but uh, they were fun nonetheless. And we talk about Barry's career and how he started and why he started. And we talk about sports and we talk about, and we also get into Barry's battle with depression. And Barry has been off work for a couple of years battling depression. And he's got a very supportive crew around him. So that helps him a lot. And Barry just talks about, uh, how he's dealing with his depression and what he's done to overcome those obstacles. And it's truly inspiring. So I'm so grateful that you're here to listen to this and, and maybe get, uh, you know, a little insight. And if you're somebody who is struggling too, this, you know, again, this, the spirit of this podcast is to help people understand that other people are suffering too, and we don't have to suffer in silence and you're not alone and that's this is my way of of helping out to raise the awareness on mental health. So so let's just get right into it. Here's my conversation with my buddy Barry McDonald. Enjoy. Barry, how are you, man? I'm doing good, Bradley. How yeah. are you doing? Good. It'd be better if I played a better game of golf today, yeah. but it was nice to be out there. It was a good walk. Yeah, it was a good walk. Spoiled. What did you, you, you sent me a text actually that said something about ruining my wonderful walk with. Oh, I think it's an old Mark Twain line. A good, oh, okay. good walk spoiled. Yeah. Is what a golf is. Yeah. No, I, that was, I, I was laughing at that too. And yeah, I think you sent me another one just uh, about the cows or something. Anyways, it was. Uh, There's no game like it. Yeah. There's no game like it. Yeah. You know, if you play well, you don't have to share the yeah. glory. And if you play poorly, you can only look in the mirror. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, have you heard that? Um, it might be Greg Norman. Can't remember where he was in a pro-am and he was talking to um, the guy he was playing with because the guy he was playing with, like, maybe he either threw his club in the drink or smashed it on the ground or something and basically just said, 
you're not good enough <laughs> to get that mad. You know, like I had a buddy tell me that. Know once. who you are. You know, like the guy kinda, that we used to play baseball with told me that once. Yeah. Hey, hey. Yeah. You're not that good. <laughs> yeah. You're not good enough to smash your stuff. Yeah, like, and it looks it looks terrible. It kind of right. It does. I mean, it, if you think about it too, like it does. It, it does kind of bring you back down. Like, yeah, you're right. Well, and it doesn't do anything to help the next shot either. No. You know? It's over with. Try to get onto the next one. It took me sixty years to figure it out. But I'm <laughs> in a pe- more peaceful place with golf. Yeah. How much are you? You're playing golf quite a bit of golf. I do play now? quite a bit. It's you know it's a very moderate form of exercise, but it's good camaraderie. There's great guys up at the Pitt Meadows Golf Club. Yeah. We, have a, we have a good time and play for a buck here, a buck there. Very nice. very low low funds. Yeah. yeah. We have a really good time and and the weather's good and the course is outstanding. Yeah. So. Well, the weather has been awesome right now. It's great. It's awesome. Yeah. There's no reason not to be up there. Yeah, cool. And we're, uh, we got a really nice view here from, uh, this from is a pretty good studio, room. huh? Yeah, I like this studio. <laughs> Maybe I'll rent it from you one day. Uh, Maybe, buddy. Yeah, I, I really like it. Might cut you a deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so really, man, I just, first of all, just wanted to really thank you, you know, and I'm, I'm super grateful for, you know, you allowing me to come in especially into your house and talk to you about, uh, you know, what you're doing and, and the stuff you've been through and, you know, what kind of what you're doing now. And I mean, I just think it's something that, you know, I'm passionate about helping other people and, and all these conversations that I have really, I really feel like I, you know, want to talk to the people that have the same, you know, feelings as I do. So, you know, honestly, man, I'm truly grateful. I know we've been joking around and all that, but just for a second here, like, honestly, I'm so grateful that, that you're doing this for me. So for that, I thank you. Well, you're welcome. And I salute you for doing what you're doing too, because it's, you know, it's not always easy for people to share their experiences that are, that might be viewed by the outside world as more negative than positive. But we both know there's lots to learn about, the world about other people and certainly about yourself when you go through that and how you handle it and how you deal with it. And I think for you to use people like myself, who's been through some, some challenging times as sort of conduits to other people that they can listen and learn because there's so much that we can pass along that, that we've learned through the, I never thought I'd be sitting here talking with, with anybody, never mind yeah. the guy I got to play baseball with. Yeah, yeah. And really admired as a baseball player about, you know, my battle with depression. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, first of all, I never thought I'd ever go through it. Right. I don't know how many people have come up to me and said, man, you're the last person I ever thought that would be going through it. Yeah. But, you know, when somebody breaks a leg, you're never surprised that somebody broke a leg. You're disappointed for them. But, right. you know, we, we get broken brains, too. Yeah. There's a lot of wiring going on up there, and it doesn't yeah. always work the right way. So this is not attitudinal with me. This is just something i have to deal with and i have dealt with yeah no it's not it's, fun i wish it i wish it didn't happen but you got to deal with it right and yeah i mean that to me that was one of my you know once i realized that in my situation for you know when i got ptsd and you know and the anxiety you know once you kind of are accepting that that's happened right. that's half the you know or 3 quarters of of the stuff you got to deal so with true. because you, you know, then you can deal with it. You know, if you don't accept it, you're denying it, you're covering it up, you're, you know, and well, it's a shock to your system yeah. for sure. Cause there's no handbook for it. There's 
all sorts of books on things that we can, well, I shouldn't say there's no handbook for it. There are handbooks for it. But when it first happens to you, you know, you go through, you know, all sorts of emotions. Like, what's going, first of all, what, what is, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, you know, for me, my first battle with depression was in 1979. I was 22 years old. I was, I just received a scholarship to the University of Washington. I made the Canadian national baseball team. Our state, our community college team in Washington had won the state championship. You know, things could not have been better. Yeah, I've had people say, "Oh, was it, was it pressure?" No, we we loved the pr- pressure of of playing sports, right. playing baseball. Loved it, ate it up. Yeah, didn't always win, but you loved to compete. Yeah. Um, so that was my introduction to it, and I have, and it was dark, and I I somehow I knew, in the abyss, Brad, that was depression, that it, this wasn't something that was going to get me. Right. And I'm lucky I've had an incredibly understanding family because it's hard to explain something that that you can't, you can't re- see and you can't explain yourself. Right. You don't know why it's happening. And in 1979, you know, it wasn't the dark ages for 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 mental health, but it, they're not nearly as advanced as they are now. Yeah. And I know that people are a lot more accepting and less judgmental about it. Right. And I always wondered what I would have, how would I would have talked to a buddy and if he'd gone through it in mm-hmm. 1979. I might have just said, come on, suck it up. I can remember my mom. I might tell my mom, I don't feel right, mom. I just don't feel right. right. I'm having trouble cognitively. I'm having trouble thinking clearly. I'm having trouble remembering. I don't, I don't feel like going out with my buddies. I don't feel like doing anything. Right. Couldn't explain it any clearer than that. And it, it, it came and when you're in it, and I don't know whether this is common for a lot of people with depression. People I've talked to kind of share their experiences with me, and they say that it's a, it's a familiar, it's a constant, that when you're in it, you don't think it's going to end. Right. And that's why it's so debilitating. Which yeah. I mentioned earlier, broken leg. Well, it sucks, but you get the cast off in six weeks. You do a little bit of rehab, and you're back at it. Yeah. But the feeling with depression, the grip it holds on you, is, for at least from my experience, was you don't think it's going to end. No. And then when you're out of it, it's, that's never going to happen again. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I 100% understand uh, the way that you describe that because, and that's, you know, I, I feel too, for me, the way I can relate to that is, is the same, is the same feeling. You don't know what's happening. You can't shut your brain off. And that's, you know, unfortunately, that's why some people turn to other coping mechanisms and, you know, to try and shut the brain off and, and, you know, use booze or drugs or whatever. And, and sometimes even, you know, lead to suicidal thoughts and doing it because it is so debilitating. And you've, you know, the way that I felt, I was like, you know, I'm just a burden. Like nobody understands me. I don't want to tell anybody because I don't want to be the downer. I, I don't know what to tell anyone. And, you know, maybe they'd just be better off without me, you know? And when you come out of that, you're like, oh my uh, God, how, how, why, how was I, how was I there? How was I even thinking that? But those are the types of things that happen. And, and I mean, I totally understand what you're saying. Well, there. I remember playing baseball with you and you were, you were a happy guy and you were yeah. a half glass full guy and you were a positive guy and you were a level guy. And, and, I have, you know, I, my parents were, if you fall down, you get back up. Right. You, you don't miss school. Right. You never quit. You know, I was, I was, I played on a baseball team in junior college in Bellevue. We were down in the state final game, the, the championship final. We were down 9-1 going to the bottom of the last inning. 
you know, yeah. I, I, I'd never stop cheering. You know, you keep yeah. rooting for your teammates. We came back and we scored eight runs in the bottom of the seventh and we won yeah. it on a pass ball in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah. And I, that's a, that's a miracle that actually happened. Yeah. No, so I, I'm a half glass, half full or a half glass full guy. I'm yeah. a positive guy. I see the world. I see the good in people. And so when it turns the other way, it's so contrary to who you believe you are right. that I think it compounds our ability to handle it. Yeah. Cause it's so far away from who you really are. Right. If you're kind of a, uh, a you know, if you're, more of a negative personality and you deal with depression i don't think the gap between the between your normal personality and where the depression gets you is as far as it is when you're a really positive person yeah. you have a bright outlook on life you see the good in people yeah you're 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 optimistic about the world uh it's 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 a bigger gap yeah oh for sure yeah and i mean i i i think too especially like i think about you know, the, the, the profession you chose, you know, the profession I chose, you know, in, in those professions too, uh, and playing sports all through our lives and different sports and that, I mean, that stigma, especially back then, I mean, and even up until, you know, say even five, five years ago, oh, or, I think or it still exists less, to a degree right? too, Brad, you know, like those, you, I mean, you just, you didn't say anything. You, you, you kept it in, you bottled it in. And if you, like you experience, if you say something, no, you're fine. Well, I can yeah. remember being, you know, I can remember we're, we're doing baseball at the University of Washington. And this is when I was really scuffling in the fall of 1979. We're going over bunt defenses. And as, as you know, there's a bunch of different plays you can run with guys on first yeah. and guys on first and second. And, and it was like, it was like somebody was trying to explain the theory of relativity to me. Yeah. And this is the stuff that, you know, we just suck up in an instant. Right. We know it right off the back of our hand, and it's right. and we can basically we can teach it. Well, and my coach was down my throat because I was throwing to the wrong bag, and it just just wasn't clicking. And yeah. and and he was a he was a tough guy to play for. Yeah, I remember I walked into his office and and sat down. I said I need to talk to you, coach, and I just explained it as best I could. I hadn't been officially diagnosed with depression. I right. pretty much diagnosed myself. I don't feel good. I don't feel right. I feel extremely low. He could not have been more understanding. Yeah. He couldn't have been more understanding. Yeah, that's and, good. And Lucky. he could have he could have he could have laid into me and told me to suck it up. And you know, this is 1979 we're talking yeah. about. It's yeah. a long time ago, and and I think there was certainly less tolerance. But I think he he I think he knew what I was made of, and right. that it something wasn't right was right. going on with me. And I was I was dealing with it. I was yeah. seeing a doctor already. And you, you 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 just have to do something for yourself. You right. can't idly idly you know sit by and hope it goes away you've got to you got to take care of your fitness you've got to stay positive and you know i think the message i'd want to get out to people that are listening to your podcast brad is that um it it does it does come to an end right. it does it does it does lift but you the person has to do some work right and i i know for me exercise is is the best right. is the best thing you can do it's the best thing you can do, but you got to watch your diet. You got to watch your sleep. Yeah. Anything you control in terms of how you feel, especially when you're you're dealing with depression or anxiety, right? Take control of it. Yeah, and, no, and I 100 percent agree. Um, especially you know with the exercise and activity because it literally changes the endorphins. Of course, it does in in your brain. You and know. it might not last forever. 
No. It might just get you through a day. It might get yeah. you through another hour, but it feels you, you feel better. Yeah. And, and while you're battling, that's sometimes just the good smallest enough, little right? lift can help you. Yeah. You know, temporaries it can be. So. Yeah. Right on. I just wanted to talk a little bit about something that I remember from us playing baseball. But did you play football too? No. Okay. I played rugby in basketball. High uh i was the 13th man on a yeah, 12 yeah. man team in high school at point gray <laughs> yeah, yeah right on played lots of of uh rec ball down in the, when i went to school because oh yeah yeah it was a good form of exercise it was a good run recreational ball yeah ball, but nothing too formal for yeah me. well because i don't know if you remember this but we were in when we were playing so we played on the coquitlam athletics yeah it used to be puccini's That's and right. um you know, I joined you guys coming up from the Reds, Coquitlam Reds, and I think it was me and JJ Hyde and, and Brad Shannon and Nito, yeah, Reggie, Jason, Nito. Jason, yeah. Um, but anyways, we were in we were somewhere in Seattle, and I don't know if you remember this, but we had a, we had a, a little bit of a break in between games, and we there was a football field, like a nice turf football field. Um, beside the baseball field baseball field was kind of up here in the, the football stadium there we had a football and we were kicking field goals and like i said i don't know if you remember this but i remember you you kind of challenged you know because at that time too i had just played football and i'm like i was the kicker and everything i'm like this 20 year old i thought hot shot right and so i'm kicking and i think i think i kicked a 53 yard field goal and i was like wow that like I th- and then you know you were like let me let me try like i'll show you guys and i'm like you know because our age gap is i don't know maybe eight ten something like that years right so i was 20 you were 30 or whatever and we're about 14 years apart you yeah. played little league i know in 84 yeah. okay. and i played 1970 so okay, there's there how we, we measure yeah. it. 14 years so you're even older than i thought but i'm like there's no way this old guy at 34 <laughs> could uh kick a field goal and you nailed it and i just i just remember thinking i cannot believe this guy just you know this old dude on my ball team kicked this 53 year old field goal That's but funny. i don't know if you remember that but i don't know you know some things just Stick kind of stick and I, I don't I, remember. Yeah, I, I can yeah. I can imagine I was going to try to show the young and yeah. you know yeah, and that's why I asked still you had a little something in them. So yeah, I asked if you played football because uh, kicked in rugby though that in was high pretty school. phenomenal yeah. kick. Yeah. And the guy the kick the year before us ended up uh, kicking for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. His name was Paul Watson, and he could he could really thump it. He held the CFL record for the longest field goal, and I oh wow. I was kicker the next year. And nice. I didn't follow in his footsteps, but he was fa- <laughs> fabulous. But good, I'm glad I showed yeah, you. Yeah, no, yeah, you I'm totally I did, man. I yeah, it definitely showed me up and shut me up for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 53 is not bad, kid. That's a good, yeah, you know, you too, buddy. Um yeah, anyways, it, some we had some good uh some good road trips for sure. Even in uh, yeah, where do we play our in Idaho? Not was it Idaho? We well, were it was in Oregon, some, wasn't it? Hermiston? Hermiston, Oregon, yeah. Yeah. We had some good times there, and then uh, Saskatchewan. Were you on the team? Kindersley. Kindersley. Yeah. yeah. With One the the fire, uh, the barrel fire in Henry the dugout. Henry Summers, our manager, Henry Summers, his dad. Yeah. Keeping the barrel rolling. Oh yeah, yeah. Late August. Yeah. It was freezing temperatures. Yeah. We oh, had a lot of fun. Yeah, that was good. We good had a stuff. lot of fun. So, just played, to, some, played some sports through some tough days too. And yeah. And sports was a wonderful thing to have. Yes. Oh, you know, absolutely. It allowed you to just lock in. It's kind of funny when you talk about your, you know, I, I just 
kind of railroaded the interview here, Brad. But no, you know, it's, it's, it's funny it's, you talk it's about for you, buddy. You talk about you know sports and what it's meant to you, and it was if you weren't feeling great, it was like a two and a half or depending if it was a double head or not, two and a half or five hours where you could just do something you really enjoyed. Yes, and it was a it was a, a wonderful outlet and different than just going to the gym. You know, because yes. you had camaraderie, you had guys you were talking to, and you might be working through some stuff in your own mind. Yeah. But it allowed you to focus and concentrate on something you were really familiar with. Yeah. It wasn't like you were trying to learn anything new. Yeah. Oh, well, for sure. And that's before your experience and largely before most of my experiences. Too. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I look at that, too. It's, it, you know, it totally an escape, even if it was just from school or whatever at that time yeah. it was like you know it was just something sports create that environment for you that safe environment that you know hopefully a positive environment but somewhere that was an escape for you and i see that this is a little bit off topic but i see that in my son nolan like it's so crazy and amazing at the same time where we the closer we get to mac and park the more I see him just ramp up. It doesn't matter what happened or what we were talking about or what happened at school or if he had a hard day. I see it in him, and he just, the closer we get, we turn up the street to go to Mac and Park because he knows he's going to baseball. It is like a switch goes off, and he is. Well, and he's also two hours closer to getting the Slurpee from Seven. Yeah, yeah, across exactly. the street, too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, that's, yeah, it is. That's, you it's know, all the, part of the deal. Totally. It's the, That's the amazing part about sports, you know, and just. Well, if I can sound like an old man, I'll, I'll sound like an old man. Enjoy every second of that with yeah. your son because I coached probably eight years of baseball yeah. uh, with my son and lots of young buddies of his, and it, it was gone in a blink of an eye. Yeah. And you always sound old when you when you talk that way, but I'd give anything to go back to Mackin Park and coach another baseball game. Oh, yeah. It's, it's such and, a great experience. Yeah, and what a, it's a beautiful park, and, I mean, I had some history there too, so it was – you know, it's special for me to oh, know that absolutely. my my son is playing there, and you know, maybe has a chance to play on the t- you know the all star team and and all that. But um, yeah, I I totally get that, and I know uh, I remember you coaching at Mac and uh, coaching Brett because I was helping another friend coach at the time too, and that's kind of when I met Brett when I re kind of introduced myself to Brett few years ago at sport check there i that's how i introduced oh yeah i coached down at mackin when your dad was coaching yeah. you and we kind of you know oh yeah okay there I, it is i know the common who you denominator are. Yeah, exactly baseball, right because he started talking to me about i was wearing a baseball hat and he's <laughs> like, oh you like baseball or you know and that, it was just kind of and then he told me about the vancouver baseball or basketball academy or vancouver yeah. is that what it's called yeah. vancouver basketball yeah. i think that's what it was called yeah um that he was a part of at that time. And now, yeah, I mean, you must be super proud too, just, you know, for the, for the man he is, but you know, he's still, cause he's still coaching SFU. He's, he's probably going to cut back on that. Yeah. He's got some other things in the fire. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, we'll, we'll see what comes of it, but he's a good, good kid and yeah. I'm proud of him. And he's just turned 25. Oh, I know. Yeah. So it's 13 years since we were coaching little. League. Yeah. Wow, and that's a blink, crazy. So we were, we started talking about PTSD and depression, yes. and you knew we'd get onto baseball. Well, no, I mean because <laughs> yeah, that's you know that's that's how we know each other, oh, and you know exactly it. 
And so kind of leading into that, you want to just kind of talk a little bit about like, how did you get into broadcasting from like, you know, you went to UW, took communications. Yep. And then you worked right away. I I did my research. I kind of knew anyways, but Williams Lake, buddy. That was the first job. Yeah. Well, my first job interview was in a place called Camrose, Alberta. Okay. And I'd gone, I'd graduated and I'd sent out some resumes and done a few interviews and realized I was going to have to go out of town. Right. And so on a Saturday in early September, me and a bunch of buddies went down to the Huskies game against Michigan and it was a fantastic game. Oh, that would We yelled awesome. and screamed and the Huskies won 25-24 with 15 points in the last seven minutes. Place was going crazy and I'd gone with a bunch of buddies who'd never been to a college football game, which yeah. is a wonderful experience. So I come home that night, and my mom says, oh, this gentleman phoned from CFCW in Camrose, Alberta. He wants to know if you can come up for an interview tomorrow or on Monday. It was Monday. It was Saturday night. We got home from the game. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm thinking, I haven't got a voice left. Uh, yeah. you, you know, you remember me yapping in the dugout. Yeah. After a doubleheader, I'd, I'd be pretty hoarse, which yeah. is, was kind of a blessing for some people because then they wouldn't have to listen to me again <laughs> for a while. So I'm like, yeah. Well, so I phoned the guy and I said I'd, I'd I'd come, and I wondered what he was thinking of my voice on the phone. So we get there. I drive I drive and stay with some buddies in in Calgary on Sunday night, and then drive up for the interview on Monday. And he says, okay, here's some script. I'd just like you to go in the studio and read it. So I go in, and it was all Edmonton Oilers stuff. Oh yeah, the Edmonton Oilers behind two goals from Wayne Gretzky and one from Paul Coffey and Yari Curry defeated the Vancouver Canucks four to one. All of a sudden, the, the guy comes in and he looks at me and goes. Is that your regular voice? I said, <laughs> no, I was at the Huskies game on Saturday against Michigan. They won. They got 17 points in the last eight minutes. It was fantastic. So anyway, that was, that was pretty much. He says, well, don't push your voice anymore. So didn't get that job, but he ended up telling me or mentioning me to somebody he knew in Cornell, and I got my, my feet wet in Williams Lake, and I was there for a year and a half and sort of followed the, the script of a professor I had at the University of Washington who told us all the day we graduated. We were all pretty excited. You know, we we think we're going on to big, big things, right. which is the way you want to think when right. you graduate. You're going right to ESPN. Or but something. absolutely, CNN was just starting yeah. up too. So he, he said, do yourselves a favor. Go to a small town where no one will hear your mistakes. And I always <laughs> remember that bit of advice. Yeah. And he was a King TV reporter. Oh, okay. Uh, so he doubled as a King TV reporter and a professor. And I did a practicum experience at King 5, which was really awesome. Oh, nice. Don Poyer, who ended up being the Grizzlies play-by-play guy, yeah. was the sports director. Okay. At King TV at the time. So nice. I had to go to the King Dome and make notes about the Mariner games and write some scripts. So it was a really cool experience. Awesome. Got my foot in the door in Williams Lake, was there for a year and a half. Went to Nanaimo, was there for a year and a half. Came back over here, uh, put a phone call into Paul Carson at Sports Page in February of 1988. And uh, I could tell he was eating a sandwich when I phoned. And I said, <laughs> Is this a good time to talk? And he said, No, not really. I said, Okay. Is, can I call you back? When would be a good time to call back? He says, how about two weeks today? I said, okay, it's a deal. So I phoned back two weeks pretty much to the time, and, and he said, well, why don't you come in? we got somebody who's going on a leave of absence. We'll need a backup writer. So anyway, to make a long story short, I got my foot in the door, and he gave me an opportunity to go on the air, and I was scared out of my mind. July yeah. 1st, 1988. and uh, Nice. Or 87, I guess it was. And But you get through it. Yeah. You know, I hadn't had a lot of – we didn't have a great – TV setup for our student. We had a student radio station, but we didn't do a lot of on-camera stuff. It was, okay. more, it was more designed for radio. 
So I looked petrified, but I was comfortable talking about what I was talking about. Right. I knew that I knew I wasn't going to mispronounce names, but you know, you get you're nervous about the the camera here and which camera you're supposed to look at, and yeah. it just takes reps. It's like anything in life. For sure. And I know a lot of people. Oh, I don't know how you could do that. Well, I don't know how a lot of people can do the jobs that they do. Right. And it's like anything else. It just took reps, and it took you know. You and I taped the show, and I'd come home and I'd look at it, and mistakes never felt as bad as they looked. Right. You know, things that you think, oh, I slipped on that word or I said, you know, that didn't that didn't feel very good. I think I might have got exposed on camera. You look at it and it's nothing. Yeah. But what you feel is different than what it, how it looks. Oh, for sure. So I got I got honestly, Brad, I've been, you know, I have had a charmed existence. I grew up in Vancouver. I got to work at Sports Page. Yeah. Got to be in the television industry for 17 years and in the media business for 35 years. And, you know couple of blips along the way battling depression but it hasn't dominated my life right. it gets in the way a little bit as as we all know but you know the good far outweighs the bad it's not even close yeah no and i mean just looking at uh you know the stuff you've done and i mean i've i've known you for a long time and obviously through even before i kind of knew you with sports page and all that kind of stuff um and then you know all the stuff you're doing now and team and it wasn't just an old guy kicking field goals no i know you're (laughs) yeah that's uh you know it's amazing too and that's you know really like we talked about previously but why i want you know or asked to have the conversations i do you know with people that i know that are you know have battled and and conquered and come through the other side and you know are 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 living you know the life that they choose now and that's why i I ask for these conversations well you know there's a there's a lot of strength to be had when you get through something like depression like i've always felt like i just found out within the last month I've, i've been diagnosed with parkinson's disease yeah and they don't really know the course it's going to take they tell you that you won't die because of it you'll die with it um but honestly, when I when I was told that, I, I wasn't really surprised because I had some of the symptoms. But I just I immediately went back to depression, and I thought if I can deal with depression, right? Honestly, I I feel like I can sort of deal with anything, right? And you never feel stronger than when you get to the other side of what it is that's that you're scuffling with. And when I first went from work until midnight on sports page to doing radio. And getting up at 3.45 in the morning, I had a battle with depression. And they thought maybe it was sleep-related. Right. Still don't know what exactly has, has caused it. Right. You know, it, it happens. You have to deal with it. Um, but I, you know, and I was off work for three months. And then I got back on the bike and got some momentum, started to feel good again. Yeah. And you feel so good when you get to the other side of it. Because it yeah. feels like a fairly, I think people that are listening to this understand that it, it's a, it feels like a really monumental hurdle. Yes. And you wonder if you're going to get over it. And then when you do and you get back to doing what you love, you've got an unbelievable level of appreciation for yeah. feeling better. And you take considerable pride in your own ability to have handled it, got through it, got to the other side of it. Right. So, you know, I I would like my career to maybe have a different ending still. Yeah. I would I would like the idea of going back maybe doing some part-time work. Yeah. But I, for over a year now, I haven't felt consistently right. Right. It's it's kind of an ongoing, you know, battle. Right. 
and I'm going to win it. Yeah. You know, that's the way I look at it. Well, and, and that's, you know, that's uh, to me, uh, that's and the stuff that I can relate to. I mean, you have to take care of yourself first before you can worry about doing anything else for others. And so it's true. not selfish. It's necessary. And just hearing you talk and your attitude about, you know, the stuff that has happened is, you know, it's totally inspiring, man. Well, I don't mean to be flippant about it because it's hard. No, I, I, you know, and I'm not, I don't mean even to, to, to make it sound like it's, it's easier than it. Maybe I'm making it sound. Easy. No, it's it, not. It's, 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 it's hard. It's hard work. It's yes. heavy lifting. Yeah. And especially when you don't know why it happens. Like, right. There's there's people that deal with depression as a result, reactive depression. Yeah. Something happens in their life, their their reaction is that they get depressed. Right. I don't go to my doctor and you know lay on a couch and talk about issues that have troubled me since I was a child. There's no direct link to anything specific. Right. So you don't know what you're dealing with. Right. Yeah. Well, you do. You have to accept that it's chemical in nature. Right. And I've learned to accept that again, don't like it, but you got to deal with it. Right. So, yeah. And I mean, that's kind of the point I was, you know, hoping to make was that when it does happen too, you're, yes, it's hard and it happens, you know, I understand because I get things that happen to me too. So I, I fully understand that. So just the fact that it's not, it's not a one-off and it happens. And, you know, even though sometimes it's a struggle, you know, you do come out on top. You battle, like you said, it's a battle. And, it is. You know, you it just got to win that battle. Try and win that battle every, you know, every day, every time it happens. And like, you know, you could wake up and feel one way, one day, and wake up the next day and feel like yesterday was just a. That's right. That was another person, right? I, I've I've said to my wife, who is an unbelievable pillar, uh, Evie. She's just been great. She's a high school counselor by by trade nice so i get free sessions yeah, with her perfect um but i've told her that you know i'm lucky and that may sound kind of odd coming from someone who deals with depression but i've got an understanding job i'm on long-term disability yeah i've got an employer that has been incredibly supportive you know bell with their let's talk initiative yeah. that they do once a year and they raise huge dollars for mental health yeah that's amazing yeah. so they're extremely understanding nice. uh, i've got friends that are supportive that understand that phone and check in see how you're doing yeah. i've got like i said you know the sister that's off the charts supportive i got buddies i've got you know my son i've, yeah. I've had very frank discussions with my son because yeah. you know you don't know what your dna is going to pass along and i just check yeah. in with him on occasion make sure he's feeling fine yeah so I've got a lot of things in place that a lot of people don't have in place right. when they deal with this. They don't know where to turn. I've got a fantastic doctor. So if I've if I was to get something like depression and I do, uh I am so lucky to have infrastructure is the wrong word, yeah. but that's what I resources uh, and absolutely yeah. and yeah. support. Right. And I and I salute people who get through depression, especially that don't have what I have around me. Right. Because you and I know, we've been talking about it here for yeah. quite a while about how tough it is. Yeah. And if it's tough for someone like me who has all the things I have around me, I can't imagine what it's like for people that don't know where to turn. Right. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's a great point about having that support network. 
I remember um, I did a uh, resiliency program. The BC Professional Firefighters uh, and Wounded Warriors of Canada put on a resiliency retreat four days for firefighters to go and talk to some professional counselors. And they have this whole program set up, a four-day program. And at the end, one of the things that was a requirement that we had to, we all had a chart paper and we had to write down you know, they made us draw this funky little symbol and, and write down, you know, who who is your team? And so we had to physically, you know, not just say it, but write down. Identify. Identify who is your team, who's your support. And so that really, by writing it down too, really made it, um, made it real. Like I can count on these people. And all the people that were in that room too were on that list, right? So it was just... To have that support network is so huge. Do you ever find it almost surreal what you're dealing with and what you've dealt with? Yeah. Like like it's 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 hard to explain. Right. It, you know, we've 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 been talking for a while here and, yeah. and we both have sort of indirectly admitted really how how vague it is, yes. how difficult it is to sort of identify and, and describe. And I know there's days I go this is this is it, am i really feeling this way is this really going on yeah you know you 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 take feeling normal for granted yeah until you experience the throes of depression right. the throes of ptsd and whatever led you to it throes of anxiety yeah but you know another thing i'd want to get across to and, and i've certainly learned because i went public on the radio a few years ago yeah. with my own battle uh, and that's that you, you aren't alone. I talked about how you feel like it's never going to end when you're in it. You'll feel like it, it's never going to, uh, you're never going to go back there when you get out of it. Yeah. But keep in mind as isolated as you feel when you're experiencing something that's mental health related, you're not alone. Right. You know, the, per, the people, the guy over there that seems to have the world by the tail probably doesn't have the world by the tail. Right. Everybody's got something and the important part of what we're doing here and what brad's doing is that we're talking about it um we're we're sharing our own experiences and if we reach one person yeah you know today with this discussion um who knows what impact that can have yeah and you know that's exactly in the spirit of this podcast really because i didn't know i didn't know what i was doing when i started a podcast and well, you knew what you wanted to do. Right. I knew the message, so I just decided to do it, and I just felt like that was a way I could do – I could try and help people without having to go out there and try and tell people I wanted to help people. I could just do it on my own and reach out to people who wanted to – you know, who believed in what I believed in and help because really, like you said, every single person has – is fighting a battle we know nothing about. That's right. You know, and to try and you said it earlier. Everybody's got a story. Everybody, every single person has a story, and to try and make it. The goal for me is to try and be part of a culture that makes this the norm. You know, um, acceptable. Acceptable. It's normal to feel this way, and there's ways to get help for it crucial and 
you know, that's really, you know, why, why I'm doing this, why you're doing this. And, uh, cause the very nature of it, it makes you feel helpless. Totally. But the, the crucial part of the message is that there is so there are so many resources and there's so many people and lean on a friend. You'd be surprised the reaction you would get from people you might not think would give you a positive reaction. Right. And if they don't, well, then you find somebody else. Exactly. You know, because if somebody doesn't want to make time for you at a time where you really need them, then you need to find someone else to talk to. Right. Yeah. No, totally 100 percent agree with that. But, we, uh, we we played baseball together for a long time. And, yeah. And we're spending time talking about PTSD and depression and yeah. anxiety. Who would have... I know. This this is surreal. I know. It's this this itself. is... But it's surreal and it's awesome. Like, uh, I... Uh, well, I salute you. Know. I salute you. Because, you know what? There's a lot of people who go through, you know, what we go through. And I got, I got all sorts of kudos for going public on the radio with it. Mm-hmm. I, I still think there's something else for me to do right. along the lines of mental health, and I yeah. haven't quite sorted that out yet. But I salute you for taking your own experiences because somebody's you're going to touch a lot of people with this. Yeah, because I know where your heart's at with regards to it, and yeah. you are you know you were serving a lot of people that you don't even know yet that you're serving. Yeah, I will. So good on you. Thanks, good man. You. I, I hope, uh, like you said, it's surreal for you. It's surreal for me. Uh, just like we talked about earlier, you know, you, you know, someone that I look up to and me coming in as a person who doesn't know professionally how to interview someone or talk. And that's why, you know, I approach it from just a conversational point of view instead right. of like an interview. So for me, this is surreal, me sitting here talking to you. And honestly, like once, you know, I got over the initial, just our initial BS session there like I feel comfortable, you know, it, yes, we're holding microphones and all that, but I really believe that this is, you know, that's how I know that what I'm doing is the right thing because it feels comfortable and right. normal. Right. And rewarding, rewarding too. And, you know, I get to talk to some amazing people and, and that's also why I like to do this face to face because the energy, man, honestly, it's totally different if we talk on the phone about yeah. this or on Skype or something, then if, you know, oh, I know, buddy. Yeah. I mean, I well, know. you know, you know, when we, we got time, than... we'd get a guest. We didn't get guests in the studio that often, yeah. but when they came in, it was a completely different dynamic. Oh, it's amazing. You know, you, you, you even the little things like when's, when's Donnie going to finish answering that question or asking that question yeah. or is, is there a follow up? Cause you can, you know, your body language speaks, but over yeah. the phone, there's always these little delays and right. things. And you're right. In person's a whole, yeah. and the energy, just the energy. I, I just love the energy. Right. Um, between you know when i'm talking to you or whoever right it's just like i just i feed off the energy and it goes places that you know you just i don't structure it i have some ideas well you're you know you're learning on the job for sure right you're sort of learning another craft as you're you know you're familiar with familiar with your own story yeah and you're familiar with the subject story you're talking to but the part you haven't done a lot of is is the actual interviewing yeah getting info out of people that's right right but and, and uh, there's just there's a little bit of an art to it and a yeah little bit oh of a trick to yeah it. <clears throat> and i learned i learned all along i never yeah. stopped you, ne- you never stop learning right there's there's you know you took seminars on the the art of eliciting a comment from someone who might not necessarily want to talk but yeah how you structure a question and it was fascinating yeah like there's people in the in the reporting industry that will 
will sound like they're interrogating somebody when right. they're trying to get information. Right. Now, politicians have to be interrogated because yeah. they're playing with public money. Right. That's sort of different, but when it comes to covering sports, you know, what some guys made a turnover that's cost his team the game. Yeah. You don't want to sound like you know his sport better than than he does. Right. So it's you have to be diplomatic, but you have to ask some blunt questions. Right. And and the the question is pretty simple. What happened on the on the goal that gave the Capitals a four three lead on right. the Canucks? And you they explain it. Right. Yeah. You know, whereas if you indict them, you know. Why, why did you how, how, what give was that puck? Why, why was why why did you make that pass? Yeah, you know, and then immediately they're right. They're Their back, backs back, up. Absolutely, and, yeah, totally. I I mean I get that. I hopefully don't do that. But uh, <laughs> so do you, just speaking of of interviews, if we can just take a left turn here, absolutely. but like, and just kind of you know have a little bit of fun. But uh, do you have something that sticks out in your mind as far as like, you know, one of your more interesting interviews or fun or something that happened that you, you know you, during you always, an interview when you or, think back and you think about everybody that you've interviewed i guess it's probably too many to well they, they kind of run together mm-hmm. a, a little bit to be honest with you i mean i can remember my my first time i was on the air it was a noon it was noon on july 1st 1987 yeah and douglas miller was the name of the of the news host okay and Douglas was pretty adept at giving people the gears and making life a little bit uncomfortable for you, whether it was on the air or off the air. I got along well with him, yeah, but I didn't know him that well. And Paul Carson, my boss, had told him, he said, "Look, at, I got a rookie coming on to do his first show today. Don't, don't rattle him. Don't yeah, get yeah. under. Let him, let him do his show." So I go into the studio about five minutes, which is an eternity, five minutes before we're on the air, and I'm just sitting there staring at the camera that I'm going to have to talk into, even though we're not on the air yet. Yeah. And, you know, with about 40 seconds to spare and comes Douglas and he's sitting beside me and I have to do a little intro right off the top. And he's not saying anything to me, which is making me more nervous as I sort of just try to think that I belong here. Yeah. And then the floor director starts counting down, you know, to Douglas, you know, we're on the air in 15. We're up in 15. He still hasn't said anything to me like welcome or good luck or nothing. <laughs> I just feel so isolated. OK, we're on the air in five. Finally, he turns to me, and goes, hey, partner. It's 85 degrees outside. There isn't anybody watching. Relax. <laughs> Good afternoon. I'm Douglas Miller. Welcome to CKVU News and Noon. It was beautiful. Nice. Awesome. So, I mean, you know, you always remember your first. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry to put you on the spot. No, there. it's I just, okay. I, I mean, I've interviewed, I, you know, in a scrum, I've interviewed Michael Jordan. I've yeah. inter- I asked Michael if he wishes he wasn't who he was. That was my tact. I thought I'm going to do a story. What's it like being Michael Jordan? Yeah. So, my first question was, do you ever wish you weren't who you were? And he looks at me and he goes, yeah. I wish I was you. Nobody knows you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a, awesome. Nice. It was awesome. So, you know, you've, I've interviewed, you know, Gretzky, Shaq. Yeah. Ken Griffey Jr. was a piece of work. Um, oh, nice. I bet that would have been fun. It wasn't fun at all. Oh, no? <laughs> no, it wasn't fun. It was it was unfortunate. Oh, I remember, no. remember Oral Hershiser in 95. We went down to cover the American League Championship Series, and Cleveland beat the uh, – Beat the Mariners, Beat the Mariners to win yeah. the series and go to the World Series. That was an incredible run for Seattle in 95, which led to Safeco being built. And Hershiser, we're just getting set to interview him, and he goes, hey, hang on a sec, guys, I'm going to grab a towel here. And he goes over and grabs a towel, and he wipes the lens clean because our lens had champagne nice. all over it. Nice. You know? Yeah. Here's Oral Hershiser. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, that's awesome. It was, he was awesome. But, you know, a lot, there's been a lot of amateur sports stories I've done. Canucks in 94 going to the Stanley Cup final, interviewing yeah. players that are in tears. 
Oh, yeah. As you could hear New York celebrating down the hall. It was right. about 40 feet away between the two, 40 feet between the two dressing oh, rooms. Oh, was it? And I can remember walking into that dressing room, the Canucks dressing room, and I just said to myself, okay, just ask really simple questions. Right. They know what happened. And it was a, it was time to, it was a time to glean uh, emotion from them. Right. You know, you didn't want to get sappy, but you had to ask questions that kind of dealt with the emotion of coming that far. And the first one I just said to Cliff Ronning, you know, I just said, Cliff, what are you going to remember about this run? And he looked up at me as Cliff looked up at a lot of people because he wasn't very <laughs> big. And he looked like a little boy. I'll always remember that. He yeah. had tears in his eyes and he just said, I'll remember just the way we all came together. And he was whimpering to the end. Yeah. And I'll, I'll never forget uh, that. Yeah, that must have been amazing. And, you know, it was it was such a ride. Yeah. And, and, it, and, then, and then it's over. Yeah. And it's over. And you're a goal short of being a Stanley Cup or in overtime to win the Stanley Cup. So twice twice yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll remember both rides yeah you know but especially 94 i was spending more time out on as a reporter right uh, than i was a studio radio guy um i'm not giving you a very good answer no no it's that's just, awesome man I, like seriously i, I can just... remember i was petrified of mario lemieux because he was he was on his skates and he'd been checked by a guy named daryl stanley on the canucks and he, uh-huh. he had to come out of the game and he was angry about it and i was a pretty 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 new to the business and we're in the dressing room and he just you know, I'm holding the microphone and he just, he's walking towards me and, you know, all I had to do was, excuse me, Miro, you know, or, or Miro, can I get a minute? And I just, I just locked up and he walked right by me <laughs> and he on skates, he's probably was 6'10 or 6'11 oh, and he I, was angry. Yeah. But well, you, and you're not you, a small guy either. Well, so. you learn from those moments too. That what's the worst thing that can happen? A guy yeah. can tell you to FO or he can politely say, I'm not talking right now. And right. for the most part, hockey players are fantastic. Nice. absolutely fantastic yeah i i believe you don't ask or you don't ask you don't get so yeah and you, you know you, know, you might longer, not you might not get it but if you don't ask you're definitely not getting yeah. it so the longer you're in the business and you know anytime you're in a scrum you need to take charge of that scrum yeah because if the guy off to the right takes charge of the scrum the person's going to look over there and the shot you'll have with your cameraman is an ear shot. Yeah. Yeah. So you stand beside your cameraman and you try to ask as many questions as you can. So they're looking towards you. And and of course, in the process, looking towards your camera. So all these little tricks. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's awesome, man. Um, Are you still following like, I I follow in a different way. And it's funny. I was talking to Donnie Taylor a couple of days ago that, you know, you, you you watch without having to commit things to memory. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I came home last night from a golf tournament, and I didn't find out at the golf tournament who had won the Rockets Warriors game. Oh seven. yeah, yeah. And I love watching the Warriors play basketball. Yeah, it's just so unselfish, and when they're in gear, I love to watch them. But I don't have to watch with the same sort of commitment. I don't have to make mental notes. I don't right. have to make physical notes. Um, you can enjoy. Yeah, I can, but I I enjoyed it. You know, um, I didn't mind. Obviously, I didn't. I did it for thirty five years. I didn't yeah. mind it, but no. Radio, four hours of talk radio was a lot. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a lot of time. It wasn't like we'd play a play a song and then five minutes later we'd play another song. And right. I'm not. I'm not getting on musical DJs. That's that's a tough job too. But yeah, but it's different. It's there was a, a lot. There job. was a lot of talking going on in a four hour period. So, right. but it was awesome. Yeah, nice. Do you? Uh, what do you think about the? Uh, if I can ask you another sports question, Absolutely. what do you think about the Vegas Knights? Well, I think it's a fantastic story. I know there's a lot of people that don't want to see Vegas win. Yeah. That, and I think that stems from, you know, I was talking to a 
former baseball buddy Dave Schwab the other day. And he oh, says, yeah. I've been a Canuck fan since they came into the NHL. Yeah. And this team's going to come in, and in their first year, they're going to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Uh, you you got to give them credit. I don't think anybody looked at their roster when they when they drafted guys last June from other teams and said, oh, boy, they're going to be a tough tough team to beat. Yeah. The rules were such that Vegas took full advantage of them. They drafted the right guys. And I think any time you draft a group of players that were unwanted by the teams, they're unprotected by yeah. other teams, there's a certain bond. Yes. Because you're a professional. You've always been, to get to the NHL, you've been the best player at some point on almost every team you've ever played for. Right. And then all of a sudden you're left unprotected. It's a bit of a slap upside the head. Right. And I think they were, I think they were, you know, in a strange sort of way. You remember Derek England at the home opener? He's, he, he spoke about the tragedy in, in Las yes. Vegas and how they were going to rally the community. And, you know, whether that's served as inspiration, I know is the wrong word. I don't have the right word for that tragedy, but th they seem to have helped rehabilitate the city. Right. And I think it's a great story. I think it's a, a wonderful story. I'd probably prefer to see Alex Ovechkin win his first Stanley Cup because yeah. I don't like him getting beat up. I think he's been a great pro. He's never been on the crime blotter. He's done a lot of good things for the NHL. He's exuberant. But you can't tell me Vegas isn't a fantastic story. Yeah, and I, I just think as long as Seattle doesn't get to the same rules, <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the NHL, because if they get to the playoffs before the Canucks do, that there's <laughs> going to be hell to pay in this market. Well, yeah, and that's that's just it. I think a lot of the um, a lot of the uh, resistance about Vegas is bitter Canucks fans. Oh, sure too, it is. You know, like which, yeah, of course. You know, we've been however many years but since. But you have to give them an immense amount of credit for playing a style of hockey. That, totally. I mean, it's like they have one more guy on the ice than every team they play. Yeah. You know, you're watching a hockey game and the puck goes out of frame. And and I think being Canadian, we we quickly process who we think will be the first to the puck once, yeah. once the camera picks up where it's gone to. Yeah. And Vegas, inevitably, is the first, is on loose pucks faster than anybody else. Right. Uh, it's, it's a great story. Great coaching. George McPhee did a great job as a GM. The yeah. ownership was supportive. The city bought in. Uh, I, yeah, and coaching, like like you said, like, you know, the coaching, sometimes I think when you come into a, a, a system, you come bring in a player and try and make that player fit into the system versus make the... Embracing the player's talents. Exactly. Right. And letting them be who they are. You know, these cast-offs, if you want to call them, you know, there's motivation there because, you know, they're all cast offs. And so that, that just that motivation, having that, you know, maybe that openness to let the players be who they are. Oh, for sure. And that's the way they're going to flourish, especially in a brand new team. And so, I mean, there's so many variables. That, well, have you uh, seen them have an off game? Have you yeah. seen them play really poorly? Yeah. I don't remember seeing them play a lousy game. They haven't yeah. won every game in the playoffs. No. But they're a tough out every yeah. night they play. Yeah. It's a crazy story. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, love can it. Can you imagine the Vancouver Grizzlies winning the NBA title in their yeah. first year in Vancouver? <laughs> can you imagine them winning more than 15 games in a season? Yeah, yeah. Didn't work out so well. No, it didn't. Yeah, maybe one day they're talking about, I heard a little rum, some rumblings about. NBA coming back to maybe, Vancouver? Maybe, but we'll see. Well, David Stern always admitted it was his one big regret. Right. That Vancouver didn't work out. Right. 60 cent dollar didn't help. Yes. Neither did players that didn't want to be here. Right. Francis? Francis. Francis. It's a long list. Yeah. Steve Francis and Othella Harrington. It always rains there. Yeah. Yeah. That was a tough, tough thing to cover. Yeah. 
Okay, man. Well, we got her done. I, I think, you know, like, I think we had a really good conversation. I really, truly enjoyed that conversation. We kind of circled around a bit and, you know, maybe I'll just ask you, touched on it a bit, but if, you know, if do you have any advice for, you know, something that you, that helps you or, you know, any, any books you've read that have helped you or, you know, just some advice that, that maybe might help someone who's dealing with the same kind of stuff. Well, you know, I, just to wrap it up. I understand people, you know, I, I certainly understand depression. I'm more of an expert than I'd ever like to be, but the, the reality is that I am. And I understand the temptation to lay in bed. I understand the temptation to sit on the couch. I do it still to a degree, but I don't let a day go by where I don't do something active for me and it might be golf and it's not the most active sport but you're walking five or six miles absolutely my wife and i we live here in pit meadows and we walk the trails a lot yeah i go to the gym and i always feel a little bit better after exercise yeah and it might not like again like i said it might not last and your depression you know tends to come back and whack you upside the head but if you can alleviate it a little bit for a little bit of time you know why wouldn't you and in the long run um, the experts say it's the best thing to help you out. It's better than medication. It's better than a lot of things to get yeah. you out of the abyss and the darkness that is, is depression. And just make sure you understand that I believe the number is 90% of them do end, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe the, and the other 10% are left living with a, a degree of depression, but it can be manageable too. There's lots right. of things that people can do now. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up. Understand you're not alone. Understand it will end. The, the darkness will lift. Um, but do whatever it is that you can do for yourself. Because if you do it for yourself, you're gonna feel you're gonna feel better about yourself. Getting out, doing right. something. Yeah. For yourself. Yeah. That's kind of a little bit wordy. No, that's uh, that's. But, I mean, that's exactly. But that's you, awesome. there's nobody else to give credit to for something you've done for yourself. Right. You, you get the credit. Right. And when you go through depression, you need to you need to pat yourself on the back a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. I think that's awesome advice. You know, small incremental changes over time to lead Add to up. successful absolutely results. So yeah, and, no, and I, reach I, out and don't be afraid to be really candid and honest with with people you can trust yeah and don't feel shame this this happens yeah you know and in in my instance i don't have an explanation for it right you know if i did it would be maybe easier to attack i don't know you could sit down and say well this is why you get depressed my why is a chemical reaction to my brain that yeah is a really nebulous thing to try to fix yeah but it doesn't make you a letter, lesser person. No. Just be as strong as you can, and when you get to the other side of it, you will feel like you can kind of conquer anything. Yeah, oh, absolutely, man. And that's that's exactly, I, I think, uh, that's a great way to uh, to wrap this up. And just, again, man, thank you so much. And you're truly inspirational, you know. I know it's hard sometimes to, you know, you're just doing what you do and you're talking about it, and sometimes, you know, maybe you don't think that it might help different people or whatever but no brad you know what i I, I do i do know it does yeah because the day that i went public with it i got a lot of reaction from people i still have people i was at a golf tournament last night somebody came up to me said they deal with it and they appreciated me going public with it and you you don't know 
really and you're going to find out and yeah. with what you're doing yeah. that, that you're reaching you're reaching people that need to be reached so you know uh, it's nothing heroic on my on my part yeah. it, it's it, if if something i can ex- have experienced and and sharing with people if if it's helped wonderful wonderful awesome awesome buddy thanks brad great talking to you great talking to thanks you too, for having man. me in your beautiful home and looking at the river and hanging out in your chairs and good spot buddy i know you you're teasing me here with the uh with the ball game on and my red Sox, (laughs) but uh anyways all right thanks buddy and uh yeah we'll hopefully let's do this again sometime i'd love to good on you for doing it too all right man take it easy okay brad yeah all right there you have it that was awesome thank you barry for joining me in sharing your story and having this conversation about you and your life and and what you're doing now I think it's truly inspirational and hopefully everyone who's listening feels the same way and just knows a little bit more about you a little bit more about what you're doing and that we all experience things in our lives and roadblocks and obstacles and you know, just sharing stories from people that have conquered are still battling because, you know, it is a it is a battle, but we get through it. We're resilient. And so hearing these stories, hopefully that just maybe helps, even if it helps one person just go, you know what, I I'm battling something too and I need to get some help. So Thanks for joining me. I really hope that you like the podcast. Um, we've got some more great conversations coming up. Going to talk with some more athletes and sports personalities and health professionals and just people that you know will help you get through some of the things that are maybe giving you some roadblocks in your life in living the life that you truly want and deserve to live. Again, I know I say this a lot, but I'm honestly, truly grateful that you joined me. So just please share this podcast and maybe it will help one person, 10 people, 100 people, who knows, but we don't know unless we do it. Favorite quote of mine is, you may never know what results come of your action, But if you do nothing, there will be no result. So if that can be a takeaway today, then there it is. Until next time, I'm Brad, and this is Beyond the Big Red Truck Podcast. 